I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today is one of the most respected physiotherapists in North America, a former soccer player who, due to injury, became intensely interested in the human body. Rick Celebrini was a former soccer player who, as he advanced his career, eventually became the director of the Winter Olympics in 2010 was the chief therapist and medical manager at the 2010 Winter Olympics in Canada. After joining the Vancouver Whitecaps as the team's physical therapist, he was highly recruited by both the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors to come in to head up their wellness program. Our guest has worked with some of the most high-profile professional basketball players in the world, and his insights into the mental and physical health of today's athletes is insightful. Welcome, Rick. Hey, welcome, friends. So, Rick, looking at your career, I mean, you were this incredible soccer athlete. How how did that begin for you? Well, growing up in Canada, there was uh, two options. It was was soccer and and hockey, and I, I did both. Um, I was a little too small for hockey, so I, I, I decided I was going to really focus on soccer and developed a passion for it and a love for the game and uh, love the smell of the grass and the and the whole sort of environment and, and just kind of took that uh, um, as far as I could until sort of injuries derailed me in my in my sort of dreams and pursuit of of a you know living in in the game. Well, it seems like um, some young people their careers you know, are, are set in different ways. And you had an ankle injury, then you got hurt, then you hurt your foot. So how much did that do to help shape the direction that you ended up in from a professional perspective? That's a great question, Jed. And that's really, that was the genesis of, of my whole career, you know, and, and um, at the risk of being lengthy, it, it's, uh, as you say, it's, it's fascinating to, to look back and see how these different events shape your future. And, for me, my very first injury, as you say, as a 15-year-old soccer player, was was breaking my ankle at a tournament in San Jose, California. Ironically, now where I live, and uh, and I, I I went to see a physiotherapist by the name of Alex McKechnie, uh, who is now the director of sports science with the Toronto Raptors, and he became you know I looked around at the time of what he was doing. He had a bunch of the the Vancouver Canucks and Whitecaps and the football team in there. And I thought this, this, I could, I could do this. This is, this looks like a pretty cool career. And, and um, I went on and, and as luck would have it uh, um, in my soccer career, um, I, I mean, it, misfortune becomes fortune. I, I had a uh, mismanaged uh, foot injury playing with the, the youth national team and then the, the full national team. That actually led me to my um, educational pursuits um, all the while, uh, Alex McKechnie actually wound up being our physiotherapist with our professional soccer team in Vancouver. So with with uh, all those uh, paths crossing, 
I developed a, a love and a passion for um, injury uh, prevention, uh, injury management. Um, Alex was a huge influence in that perspective. And honestly, not to get too deep or philosophical, it, it really shaped my purpose in life in that uh, by by having those experiences and being mismanaged and, and basically uh, missing about two years of development in in, in my uh, sort of 18, 19 year old uh, uh, athletic years, um, I, you know, I, I, I really believe that that my purpose is to help other athletes not follow that path. You have this trajectory where in 2010, you uh, you head up the Winter Olympics for the Canadians, uh, which is, you know, an uh, an outstanding accomplishment in all those variety of uh, winter sports. How was how was that working with the Olympic athletes? Yeah, that was amazing. That was a, that came at a time, you know, um, it was again an interesting time in life where uh, I was in the middle of my PhD, um, developing a, a, a quite a massive uh, athlete development center in Vancouver. A co-founder in that, my sort of track had been sort of set and. Um, and then all of a sudden this opportunity came out up. Dr. Jack Taunton, the chief medical officer, had given me a call, one of the best calls of my life, but wound up taking sort of three and a half years of my life, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to, to pull that off. Um, it was an incredible experience that the, the uh, International Olympic Committee had suggested it was uh, um, at that time the, the sort of the best run medical team, uh, thanks to Dr. Jack Taunton um, and, and his, uh, his vision for it. So it was an incredible experience, but it did uh, take its toll. We had you know, sort of four young kids uh, or, or on, the, on the way to four young kids at the time. And, um, you know, trying to balance my PhD with clinical work with the Olympics, uh, it was a pretty intense time uh, to the extent that I actually took a, a bit of a hiatus on my PhD um, and then came back to it later. So when you look at uh, Olympic athletes, what are the things that differentiate them? I mean, you have a chance after this to go to the Vancouver Whitecaps really to the to the Warriors or are there some things that as you look at Olympic athletes that you see in terms of their DNA that make them unique there really is you know and I think fundamentally all athletes start out the same elite athletes and and they have this this inner drive and this passion this this love for what they do and I know even my personal experience you know what I mean I'll, I'll, I'll be it modestly but once I started getting paid for playing soccer it's a, it's a different mindset and I think the, the, the purity of the Olympic athletes, um, you know, relative to, to big business sports, uh, where, you know, um, and not to say that, um, that athletes ever lose that love or that passion, but there's another variable in the mix and, and that without a doubt complicates things. So what I would suggest is that the Olympic athlete in a lot of ways maintains that, that, um, purity in terms of their pursuit because they're really at least in Canada not as much down in the states but there's there's really no monetary or very little monetary incentive to to excelling in, in Olympic sports or most of them you get into the, the Vancouver Whitecaps what are you and Herrick going in there in terms of what the uh, how you going and evaluate you know, the players the program and institute you know what you've been studying on on a for a professional team Great question. I had the good fortune um, just as I was completing my PhD, which didn't allow me to, to accept a full uh, time position um, with the club. But I came on initially as a consultant and that allowed me in their inaugural year in the MLS to to really um, observe 
in a, in a way that was, uh, I think a benefit for me and for the club, you know, the club could, um, uh, evaluate me and, and I could evaluate it. And, and I got really excited about the prospect of, of the sport that I loved, um, in its first year, uh, in the city that I grew up in, um, and the people involved with it from the owners and, and management, et cetera, had a, a tremendous vision and, uh, and, and passion for really building, um, the sport, especially at the professional level in Vancouver. So I was really obviously excited. It was a, it was a dream opportunity for myself to, uh, to, to, to um, be offered and then eventually accept a position as, as the director of sports medicine and, and science um, for the Vancouver Whitecaps. So how did you build that out? What was, what you reported to you and what did you structure in terms of being able to, um, you know, take this area, which was at that point was relatively new and not a lot of people were, were focused that broadly on this whole wellness and performance piece that you, that, that you had developed as an, a core expertise. Interesting that you 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 asked that because we really um, were able to start with a, a blank slate and uh, the first thing I did uh, was try to surround myself with really smart people that were experts in the various areas uh, whether it be uh, sports science exercise physiology uh, nutritionist um, you know soft tissue experts and 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 really growing up in Vancouver uh, and being immersed in that. Um, sort of high performance environment for as many years as I, I was, I had an advantage of, of really knowing and really working with a, a lot of those different individuals, including some of the, you know, team physician, et cetera. So I was able to assemble a, a great group of people that not only were experts in their field, but really believed in a, in a truly integrated model of care, um, much like we had with the, uh, the Olympic and the Paralympic team. And um, to have good people that loved collaborating and integrating and working together on a common purpose was extremely, extremely exciting and satisfying for me, especially at that stage coming out of my PhD, which is, which is part of the reason I did the PhD in the first place, is, is, to, is to really sort of have that opportunity to lead a group like that. So when you left, I mean, you were highly recruited and the San Antonio Spurs wanted you, the Golden State Warriors you have uh, children that love hockey. You made a decision to join the Warriors. But, but when you left Vancouver, what do you think your legacy was? What, what did you build for them that you think they're still sustaining? Well, I, I'd like to think that um, I, along with, like I said, a number of, of colleagues and friends, uh, um, did our best to create um, an integrated performance model uh, that that had idealist idealistic level a um, uh, a care for the athlete and a and a and a and a approach to sort of optimizing performance and obviously those two um, elements are are completely related. But I, I think you know to create that infrastructure and and really at the time you know my role with the Vancouver Canucks with the Whitecaps and and with Fortius the Athlete Development Center they all had different. Um, perspectives and different environments, but but all had that commonality in, in in common, which is this high performance support team that was there for the athlete and and collaborating and integrating to optimize performance and prevent injury. So in soccer, in the off season, do the athletes still work with you, or is it like some of the sports here in the United States that the athletes end up? you know, going on their own, working with their agent, and you don't have as much influence on them. What was that? What was that like in soccer? Yeah, soccer is is not as, um, there's not as much of that. Having said that, we had a lot of international players, so they would go back to South America and Europe. 
Um, but the ones that did stay around, we would have um, far more contact with. Uh, just like we do with the Warriors, you know, there's there's uh, uh, a lot of players um, in all these different uh, professional sports teams that that stick around, that that make their residence uh, locally, and those are the ones that we uh, continue to work with closely. And then the other ones, you know, that that do have um, uh, they they live elsewhere. Uh, we try to collaborate closely with whoever they're working with, whether it be trainers um, or nutritionists or, or or other individuals that they have supporting them. So when you come into an organization like the Warriors and you've got these high profile players, high profile coach and ownership, how do you how do you develop trust and relationships with all those people? It's a great question. Firstly, I would say that I, I came to the Warriors because of the people uh, and specifically um, Bob Myers and, and Steve Kerr were, were incredible um, re- reputations coming into it. But then when I first met them and talked to them and, and listened to their vision and what they were all about, um, that was the biggest draw. Um, I think Bob mentioned to me at one point, you know, he said, listen, don't come here if you're expecting to, to win championships because that can change. But you come here because you, you enjoy the environment and you enjoy the people. And, and that couldn't be um, more true. Um, and, you know, I really came in that first year with the um, humbleness and the understanding that um, the, the most important thing in the, in that first year was to learn, to listen, to watch, to observe, to ask questions and to seek to understand before I, I started trying to um, suggest change or, or, you know, really strongly. And that's not to say that I was passive and I wasn't, you know, doing a job, but I think it was really important to to really understand um, the environment and the and the culture and the people, um, and 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 in doing that, I think you you inevitably uh, gain trust, um, you know, from from those individuals over time. And I don't think trust can be can be something that you walk into. I think it happens over time. But I think with that type of uh, approach, you know, you're 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 the likely the likelihood is is much greater. So when you have an aggressive guy like Draymond Green, how do you end up? you know, building a, a relationship and a wellness program around somebody like that that wants to hear what you have to say and how you monitor him and so forth. Well, you take the, the, the uh, thorn out of the lion's paw. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, that, that is actually what, what happened, um, uh, I, not at the time, but fortuitously afterwards. It, you know, he had a, a bit of a, a, uh, an injury that we, um, we managed um, and, and through the process, just communicating and, and listening to him and and respecting and understanding, you know, he's a veteran player that that has very um, distinct thoughts in terms of, of the approach, but but also he's got a great respect and um, and willingness to listen. And so through that process, you, you get closer to these athletes. And and uh, you know, a guy like Draymond will call you out in a heartbeat if 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 he feels like you're not um, uh, authentic or or um, or, or you don't have sort of, you know, true motives or, or, or competencies, quite frankly. So um, I'll, I'll be honest, like the, the core and the rest of the, the players obviously followed, but the core group with the Warriors was incredible from day one and, and have continued to be uh, to this day in terms of just our, you know, relationships and, and trust and, and uh, communication. And, and uh, um, it's been fantastic. Did you build the same verticals with the Warriors that you had with uh... Vancouver? Yeah, I think you constantly keep evolving and and refining your processes. Uh, I think I learned a lot from my times uh, in Vancouver. I was, you know, essentially a rookie there. And, and then I was a rookie coming into the NBA. So 
Um, again, it's, it's sort of having that humbleness. I tried to, to recreate a lot of the, um, the pillars and, and the, 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 the key principles of, of kind of the integrated process and, and making sure, you know, we had good communication. Um, one of the things I thought was, was incredible, um, almost from day one with the Warriors was just the acceptance of coaches, um, uh, not just Steve Kerr, but the rest of the coaching staff and, and welcoming, welcoming us onto the floor. So if we're looking at, you know, anything from the, the, the physical conditioning to um, the movement, uh, efficiency of movement um, or, or skill acquisition, they've been so receptive and collaborative in, in working with, you know, together with us on, on the floor, which again, doesn't typically happen in a lot of professional sports environments. So I was really fortunate to, to land in the right place, you know. No doubt. So when you get into the, the whole thing of, of load management and back-to-back games and so forth, and explain that to because some of my audience probably doesn't even understand what that means. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if, if you start with the, you know, the, the definition of load management, you're, you're really just trying to reduce, and, and quite often it is, um, you know, a player sitting in a game, they're, they're, they're sat for a reason. And usually the reason is that they want, they're perhaps susceptible to potential injury. Um, and that may be because they've had a, you know, a, a history of injury in the past, or there might be something more acutely within their, um, their life, uh, that, that is influencing, uh, things. So, you know, this, this whole aspect of load monitoring really is a combination of looking at what the physical demands are on the player, but how those couple and interplay and interact with some of the other um, stressors on them. And that would include things like sleep and nutrition and stress and, you know, problems at home and, and uh, all kinds of different things, travel, um, as well as, as perhaps little, you know, niggles or injuries that, that they might be dealing with and, and how all that stuff as well as their sort of pre-existing uh, physical conditioning, how all that stuff uh, is either how they re- how they're responding to it, how they're either adapting to it or maladapting to it, and and what the um, anticipated risk profile is for that player. So combining all those things in a dynamic state, you're you're really looking at the player and saying, you know, we need to based on these different um, measurables or variables. Uh, we need to um, pull them back here and 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 give them a day to you know to 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 get back to uh, a, you know an optimal readiness to play again. How do you communicate that to uh, to Bob Myers, your your general manager, president of basketball, and to Steve? You, do you meet on a continual basis, or do you just text? How does the communication work when it comes to all that? One of the things that's again so refreshing and so. Um, positive in our environment and cultures is the fact that and the players feel this is that I don't think there's never been any pressure from uh, a Steve Kerr or a Bob Myers or anybody else for for that matter in the organization to to play a player unless they're absolutely ready and to have everyone on the same page and to not have that um, you know that that battle which happens you know in some ways quite healthily uh, in other environments, um, but to, to, to always be on the same page in terms of, of um, uh, them respecting the, the decision-making and, uh, and, and also agreeing and being aligned with that is, is again, something that's unique um, to, to, to the Warriors and, and to the people that, that lead this organization. Where do you think the trends are going as it relates to, to sports medicine and performance? As you look out two to three years, what's, what's, what are the biggest changes you see? 
Well, I think, you know, over time, I mean, one of the things that I'm really fascinated in, and I'm, I'm trying to talk to, to some smart people, is just the, the role um, that the, the, the mind or the brain has in, um, and more specifically, sort of executive functions, everything from sort of cognitive processing and decision making and, you know, spatial awareness and, and how, how we can, how we can both uh, measure that, monitor that, um, uh, intervene, and 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 perhaps um, just like we're getting better at uh, the the recovery and regeneration of, from the physical side of things. How do we help athletes uh, decompress and and manage the different um, stresses on the on the mind? So that, that's that's one area that I think is is um, obviously it, it it's it's being uh, developed as we speak, but it's it's an area I think is has huge potential for expansion. Um, and then the the other side would be just to you know I mentioned sort of that integrated model of of a player profile and just really optimizing that from a performance standpoint, but also from an injury prevention standpoint is all the different variables that impact performance and, and um, potential injury and, and how they interplay and, and refining. I know there's a lot of smart people developing a lot of um, incredibly sophisticated modeling and artificial intelligence to, to try to um, have predictive models of these things. But it, it's something that is, is uh, ultimately um, going to continue to develop. Uh, it's, 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 it's fascinating to see how uh, that also interacts with the technical and tactical aspect of things. So if you if you look at the physical, including health, with the mental, the social, emotional, and with the uh, the technical, tactical, and you try to combine all those different things from the different disciplines um, and and uh, and create sort of a, a performance profile of the athlete, I think it's really exciting to 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 see the evolution of our understanding and our ability to to measure or try to measure and to try to optimize that process. How do you update those profiles and uh, do accountability and so forth as it relates to each player? So for example, you draft someone, you get a free agent, you bring someone new into the program. How do you approach that, that new person? Yeah, we have, we have, um, and you know, we're, we're still in the, in a fairly uh, early stage, um, my time here in, in terms of developing our infrastructure, but we, we measure a lot of um, hopefully purposeful um, things from the physical, from the um, physiological, from the um, biomechanical and neuromuscular perspective, um, as well as, as sort of the subjective response of the players and, and sit down with the player and understand what their goals and needs and, and perceptions of, of everything are. And, and we start with an initial uh, player profile that incorporates those different elements: the the mental, um, the physical, the technical, and the tactical. Uh, we 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 listen to what the coaches and management um, foresee for that player from a performance standpoint, in terms of how they're going to best contribute to this team and what role, what they need to to improve on, whether that's actually modifiable or not. And then we we constantly um, refine that profile based on how they're responding. You know, if they're not responding in a particular area, um, you know, in in a period of time, then then we need to reevaluate. Is it is it us? Is it them? Are we not you know um, pushing the right buttons? Is is the dose response not adequate? And so it's it's a constant uh, process, but but you need to have a, a starting point, and and that's you know what we do have at this point with with all of our guys. It sounds like though uh, one of your reasons for joining was that the environment's open to these kinds of 
uh, ideas, these kinds of ways to improve performance and wellness and to keep players really peaked for performance. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's it's um, it's been incredibly um, supportive and uh, accessible in, in that perspective. Uh, not to say that my you know the the other environments that I was in um, in Vancouver weren't, but it the opportunity to come down uh, to this environment with these people. Um, part of it was escapism, to be honest with you. To, I had sort of my classic line was I had three full time jobs and four kids up in Vancouver. I saw the four kids, but now I have you know a very uh, a smaller number of athletes um, that are all committed um, or or for the most part, and uh, and a willing leadership team and coaching staff to to really try to sort of build something here. And um, that's been the most exciting um, um, thing for for me and our our group. And that's got to be incredible. I mean, you're I know you took time out in, in terms of your season's getting ready to start. I mean. The bubble experience. Now you're back. Your team, different than some of the teams who are in the playoffs, had more of a break. And the teams that you were in the playoffs playing all the way to the end. How do you think that's going to affect you know those players that played all the way through the playoffs and starting the season so quickly? It's a challenging situation for everyone right now. And um, I think you know, first of all, I think we're all thankful and and blessed to to, to you know to be planning and and preparing for. The season, but um, I don't know honestly which is worse: um, jumping straight from the NBA Finals and, and turning around so quickly, or, or having the extended long break as we had, you know, not participating in the bubble. So, I mean, both have their challenges. And um, you know, the, the most important thing here is that we all do our best in terms of um, uh, gradually ramping things up uh, so the players can adapt and, and respond um, in a safe manner. And, and I think that's what everyone's. Uh, uh, goal is here, um, you know, in collaboration with with the league and 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 everyone involved. What about the COVID protocols that are going to go in? Because you're not going to be in a bubble. You're going to be like the National Football League and Major League Baseball, exposed. How do you? What's you, what's your thoughts thinking about how that may play its way out? Again, the, the the league has done an incredible job, an incredibly detailed job of setting out very specific guidelines and protocols for all the teams to follow. Of course, it's not going to be as, um, as uh, airtight as the bubble was, but it's, it's a different uh, challenge and a different reality. And again, I, I think there's been a lot of contributions from some really smart people, different experts in the field and in infectious disease and, um, and the like. And so uh, I think if, if everyone follows this um, process uh, carefully, you know, I, not, nothing's going to be perfect, but but I, I think we've got a chance to you know to have a successful and a, and a safe um, season here. And and um, but it's it's going to uh, take a lot of work, a lot of discipline, and a lot of commitment from staff to players to you know to owners to management. Well, listen, I appreciate you uh, carving time out to do this. Hopefully, the discussion, you know, the way we we've done this has played out in a way that. Uh, you think is is favorable and non-controversial from your perspective jed i've enjoyed it i appreciate uh i appreciate your approach and and i appreciate you um asking me to be on it in the first place